Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. A few months ago, Chloe Styler released the EP Side A, always with the intention of releasing Side B, which she now has. In between the two, Chloe played at CMA Fest in Nashville, which was far from the first festival she's played at, because she's appeared at Falls Festival, Gibby Muster, Denny Ute Muster, Groundwater. I've lost track. Hello, Chloe. Hello. <laughs> let's talk about festivals and Side B. <laughs> yes, let's. <laughs> I will start actually with CMA Fest, which you've just returned from. There were only five Australian artists who appeared at CMA Fest. Uh, considering how many artists wanted to play there, that's um, I'm sure wanted to play there. It's amazing. I don't have any idea, though, how one gets to play. Is there an application process? There is, yeah. It, it's an online application process. And uh, a little tidbit, I was actually meant to play in 2020. So I was accepted and invited to perform there in 2020. And then obviously we know what happened. And um, that was just kind of put on the back burner. And I just stayed in touch with the people I, you know, w- was talking to in 2020. And um, they were like, yeah, you know, we're we're ready. So I had to resubmit a, an application. I wasn't even sure if it was going to get accepted. And then a couple of weeks later, I found out. And yeah, it was the best news because it's just three year build up. So <laughs> it's nice to have finally gotten there. Well, but it is a big deal too, because you're an independent artist. So yeah. you're running everything yourself. You have to get yourself to Nashville and organize yep. all of that. What was it like once you finally got there? It was amazing. Uh, my dad came with me for the first week and he, he just really came to watch me play. Um, and I had the best time. There were so many Aussies in town and it was just, it was just like a big reunion. It, at times I forgot we were in America. Uh, I was like r- walking down the street, I'd run into people I knew and I had to remind myself, we are on the other side of the world right now. So it was great. My shows went well. Um, and I got to write some songs while I was over there. I did some co-writing and I did the touristy things as well. I did like an Oprah tour and uh, all those things. So yeah, I, I had honestly the best time. How far ahead do you have to book co-writes in that sort of situation? Because I imagine the writers who are living and working there are pretty in demand or their time's pretty well scheduled. Yeah, I mean, I am no expert on Nashville, but I what I've learned is at least just like, give them an idea that you're coming as far in advance as you can. And then when it gets a little bit closer, they then lock in time. So, I mean, but then even then most of my rights were booked while I was in town. So they were booked for like days later or the week after it. Yeah. So it was all very, once I was there, things started coming to fruition, but um, I I think for next time I'll probably just, you know, put the feelers out there and then hope that things fall into place a bit earlier than while I'm on ground. <laughs> so the ones that came together while you were there, was that as the result of meeting people? Yeah. And this to be great? Okay. yeah. So there's an Aussie that lives in Nashville, Phil Barton. I feel like everybody knows Phil. He is just the kindest soul and an incredible songwriter. And he uh, introduced me to two of his, uh, I suppose, like publishing housemates and uh, I got to write with them as well. So it was amazing. And uh, I mean, they all work with Liz Rose. So, and she wrote 
a lot of Taylor Swift songs with her. So uh, I'm a big fan of Taylor Swift. So to have then been in Liz Rose music writing songs was kind of like a little full circle moment for 15-year-old me. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you mentioned Taylor Swift, I have to ask, are you going to one of the Australian I did get tickets. Yes, I did. I'm going to Sydney because I am on the Gold Coast and she decided not to do a Queensland show, but um, I'm heading down to Sydney and I just can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, our, our tourism industry, because I'm in Sydney, will, will be very happy with all of the um, Swifties visiting. I think it's totally. Um, so now you have just released your EP Side B, as I mentioned in the intro, and it is the companion to Side A. Did you record those songs at the same time as Side A? I did, yeah. So Side A and Side B were both recorded in 2020. So when I got told you can't go to America and perform at CMA Fest, I thought, well, how else am I going to use my time this year in the most productive way? And um, I got in touch with my producer, Andy Mack, and we kind of just made it work. And so when the borders reopened, I drove down to the Central Coast and met him at a studio there called the Grove Studios, which has been the birthplace of so many amazing records. And we live tracked all 10 songs for five days with a band. Uh, and then I drove on home a week later, the borders shut. I was meant to go back and do my vocals, uh, but we had to put that on pause for about three months. And then the border bubble opened for my area anyway. So we kind of... Um, found a way to make it work and I could drive down to North uh, New South Wales and they kind of met me and we we made it happen and uh, yeah it, it's really cool to think back at how we did it uh, you know you just got to be creative and get the music done um, but yeah they, they were all recorded at the same time and they were all written over a six-year period and so I feel like there's growth inside B because they are they are the ones that were written later. Uh, but uh, I mean, I open to your thoughts. Whatever you what you you've listened to it. What do you think? Well, I, it has a different feeling to side A, and it's it's more reflective. Um, the yeah. songs have a different tempo, mm -hmm. and um, I mean, it sounds like I was going to ask you if they naturally grouped themselves, but it sounds like they did. You actually had written the side A ones, which now that I've heard both. Mm. Now to me, like they came out of a moment of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm frustrated and I'm really annoyed and maybe a bit angry. And then side B was was more, okay, I've had time to sit with this and and I'm sad. And feel the feelings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I think so. I that's definitely the way I look at it anyway. Side B, uh, there's not as many bangers or up tempo. Mm um light years is my favorite track and that's the piano ballad that wasn't even meant to make it onto the ep because i took all these songs to the studio i had probably about 15 that we could cull like down to 10 and light years was not even in my top 10 but it was in andy's and he's a phenomenal piano player and i wrote the song on acoustic guitar and it just didn't it didn't sound how I wanted it to convey the emotions because mm -hmm. the lyrics are so sad, but mm -hmm. the on acoustic guitar, it just didn't portray that. Uh, mm -hmm. So Andy just was like, just trust me. And on the last day, like the drummer had left, the guitarist 
guitar player had left and he was like just trust me if we if you don't like it we can do another one and he sat down at the piano and just turned it into amazing and I cried and it was exactly how I had imagined it to sound um so then we ended up writing a bridge and kind of restructuring it a bit and now it's my favorite track yeah Right. And so was the reason that you didn't want it on initially that that it wasn't working on acoustic guitar and you just thought this is not working, right? It just it just felt like it wasn't working. I felt like it was a bit how you going? Like I was just like, it's just not sorry, I'm so Australian. Um it's just like <laughs> it, it was just a bit meh. Meh, yeah. yeah, meh. And but I knew I wrote it from a place of like sadness and pain, but I couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. So it was nice that Andy obviously put his producer hat on and could hear something in it, which kind of was a theme throughout the whole picking process, like loving you, which is on side A, again, wasn't really one of my favorites. I, I wasn't, I was like, "Eh." like, it's cool, but it's kind of a bit dramatic. And then he was like, no, great. So, and I love that process. So really trusting the producer and the, the creatives around you. I think that, it, well, it shaped the two EPs because it could have been entirely different. Well, I'm actually feeling slightly teary even thinking about Light Years, so I do understand how you must have felt when um, he played it for you. Uh, but then I'm wondering uh, for you playing it live because you wrote it on acoustic guitar, you weren't happy with it on acoustic guitar or not as happy as you could have been. Yeah. Do you then have a consideration about how you're going to play it live? Yeah, so I actually put on an EP launch a couple of weeks ago in Brisbane and that was the first time I'd ever played Light Years live. Um, I have an incredible keyboard player, keys player, who was at the gig and he played it with me. So it was a really special moment and I got, I got, you know, I didn't cry on stage, but I got emotional because it was it was a nice moment to have in the set and uh, I can play it on acoustic guitar and I've found a way to soften it a bit and make it uh, the way that I want it to sound on acoustic because mm-hmm. when I did write it, it was very just bad. Uh, but now I have, I, I suppose softening it is a nice way of explaining it. Um, so I can put it into my sets now if I don't have Dan on the keyboard, but um, I think it's it's really beautiful with, with keys so I might just save it for those special gigs yeah Mm. hometownless which is your latest single from the EP um sounds like it's a fairly upbeat tune Mm. but actually when you think about it you know it's it's there in the title but it's also it's also in the lyrics it's like this is actually quite a sad song because it's about (laughs) being about feeling like you don't have a home it's about being rootless it's about actually searching for where will be your hometown next and the implication of course is it's not just home it's hometown so you formed a connection and an identity to a place that's now gone and you're looking for that again so Mm -hmm. when you because you wrote it with Jason Resch from Darlinghurst Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm wondering if you set out to write it as an upbeat sounding so I'd like to have that juxtaposition of lyrics and music yeah, I so Jason and I first started working together in late 2019. And the reason why we actually got paired together was because I was a Star Maker finalist and I knew that I needed an upbeat song. And I, as a songwriter, uh, I write what I feel. And at that point in time, I was very sad. So I wasn't writing happy songs and I wasn't writing upbeat songs. And, and Jason and I got connected and we wrote Vega Than Vegas, which was on side A. And then I ended up performing it 
a couple of months later at the Star Maker Finals uh, in Tamworth. Uh, but around that same time, we just kept jumping on Zoom and kind of hashing out ideas and trying to write some songs. And then Hometownless came up. And at that point in time, I was going through a breakup. And I remember Jason brought the song title to the right. And I was just kind of like, it's not a word. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can make up words. That's how the English language began, you know. So um, we we talked about it and I felt, you know, I explained, I feel like I'm, I, I'm searching for someone to call home again. Home is where the heart is. Those kinds of themes came up. And uh, he, he's just like, yeah, I think that hometownless is a great way to like package that up because that's how you're feeling and it's a universal theme, but let's not make it a sad sounding song because mm -hmm. you've got enough of them basically. Uh, so <laughs> I'll be the first to admit I love a sad song. Um, but, yeah, I, I think in, in the initial demo that Jason worked up, there was a lot of synths. It was very 80s. It was great. I love that stuff. Um, and then when we took it to the studio, and he kind of stripped it back. And it, it's a very, like, bass-driven song, mm. very uh, – it's quite – it's quite – is it is the word sparse or sparse? Hmm. Have you heard that word? Sparse, yeah. Yeah. It's quite sparse, but yeah. I I think it needs that because pe people wouldn't hear the message otherwise because yeah. it can get like the the message of I am hometownless, I'm rootless, I, I'm searching again um, could easily get lost in like a very pop production. But uh, right. yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's nice how it's a bit empty in the production, but it comes in in the choruses. Uh, it, it gives people an opportunity to think. Yeah, and it did, it did need your voice to be very prominent. And as you said, if it had been a big pop production, your voice probably would have been yeah. different in the mix. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love a good pop production, like Girlfriend <laughs> on side A. But, uh, yeah, I think... I think it's cool. Hometownless is a little different for me. And, and that's one thing I've heard from people since releasing it, that it's a, it's still my sound, but it's a bit different, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. That's a great song. And an one, I have to say, it's like it's stuck in my head. Um, <laughs> any, all of these songs, side A and side B, regardless of what they're about or tempo or feel, you do have really catchy melodies. So I'm wondering if that's something that you write by, because you wrote the other three songs on side B on your own. Um, mm. So I'm wondering if that's something that you have by instinct or if it's something that you've worked on crafting over the years. I love these questions. Uh, songwriting is just like the best thing in the world to me. And I've, I've been writing songs since I was 15. And I suppose just naturally, I just hone that craft just every time I write a song. Uh, I've, I suppose in the last 12 months, I've allowed myself the grace of writing a bad song. So nice. I, I, I used to just, if it wasn't working, I would absolutely get rid of it and not even allow myself to know it existed because I was upset that it wasn't great. Um, but you have to write nine bad songs to get a good one, you know? So uh, I have been allowing myself to just push through and just write a bad song because bad song, that's subjective, but, yeah. um, but get it out because I find that that's a great way to hone my craft and, and push myself with melodies and push myself with, uh, song structure and stuff like that and so then when the good song subjective comes out 
I feel like it's using the good parts of the songs that didn't quite make it. And mm, yeah, and right. it's like a culmination of those. I love melodies. They're so fun to me. I love lyrics. Um, and to, to me, a good song is one that's written under an hour and I don't feel like I have to change it. That's right. how I classify a good verse, bad song. If I'm like struggling to get an idea out and I've been on the same line and it's been an hour and a half I'm like oh god <laughs> might hang this one up but I'll finish it but I don't think it's going anywhere <laughs> but also the way you've described your process um it does seem like the bad the bad songs yeah. are, are like almost like early drafts of the good songs so you're kind of working through they may not even sound like that good song in any they might not have the same chords but you've got to you're working through kind of yeah, refining, refining, refining until, as you say, there are some elements that will come into that good song. Yeah, and, and the the message is often the same. So it might be the same theme, the same thing that's on my mind. I literally, I got home from Nashville. I've written nearly 30 songs, but, and that's two and a half months ago, which is unreal for me. Like I, that's not normal, but I, I've just been so inspired from, from that trip and the just the place that Nashville is. Uh, but those 30-ish songs couldn't all be on one record because they're all a similar theme or message. So the good ones out of those, uh, uh, they use parts of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just kind of learning along the way what's working what isn't working and oh I can actually grab that out of this one and reuse those lyrics because no one's going to hear that other one yeah yeah. (laughs) it's also trusting that there are more ideas sometimes um, in a creative process it it can be tempting to cling on to one idea because you just think well I'll just work at that till it it gets better yeah um, effectively um because maybe another one won't come but I imagine you've written enough songs now that you know that the tap is not turning off. It's just, it, it yeah. may sometimes you may need a break, but it's flowing. Yeah, I've had a break the last couple of weeks. I haven't even really picked up my guitar to be creative. I've just picked it up to do gigs and performances. But I think the, the tap sort of was running a bit dry, but you just know when to step away and, and not to keep pushing it because then it's just not productive and and then I get in my own head about it and I'm like oh you're writing bad songs stop writing bad songs you know so um yeah I I have stepped away a bit but I I know that it won't be long that until I'm back uh there was a time like 2020 2020 after recording in 2021 I didn't write a single song I could not write a song I don't I could not for the life of me get past like a verse and it was scary because I didn't know what was going on and why I wasn't feeling creative. I mean, at the time I was at university, so I think that probably had something to do with it, but um, that's long gone. We're not worried about that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. And also, look, the pandemic did affect people in different ways in terms of their creativity. Some people seem to take it as a, as a time of like, all right, I've got time and space and I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going with it. And then yeah. for other people, it was a real block because there was so much going on that was uncertain. Uncertain, yeah. I was gonna say, there was so much uncertainty. I mixed that up. But there was, a, yeah, it was, if you were feeling slightly paralysed by what was not happening in the world, yeah. it was easy for everything to be paralysed. Totally, yeah. But I'm glad that I've pushed through. I'm out the yeah. other side, I've written some cool songs and, 
Yeah, and, and the ones I've written lately, I'm really proud of. And I, I'm excited that Side B is now out and I can now start this new process of new releases and, and uh, yeah, and getting these new songs out. But obviously I love Side B and those songs as well. So I, I'm they need their moment as well. But uh, I am obviously self-managed and I'm independent. So I look, I have to look to the future and the next releases and get all those yeah. sorted. <laughs> so when you play shows now for Side B, will you start to road test some of these new songs? Yes. And I did at my EP launch. I played three new songs actually within my set and I can give you a little little piece of information that I actually filmed a music video on the weekend for one of these new songs so yeah yeah so and because the way that uh like Spotify and Apple Music work they want you to upload your stuff at least six weeks in advance so if you've got a plan well in advance for releases so I have filmed a music video for something brand new that will be coming out before the end of the year well that is you are very well organized mind you I'm just thinking the end of the year is not that far away it's not that far it's September in like two weeks so as you I imagine you're looking ahead to Tamworth um and making plans is that now for you an opportunity to find some new co-writers or you know just see what happens while you're up there. Yeah, I love Tamworth. I really love Tamworth because I get to see everybody. And, you know, in the music industry, we're all everywhere around the country. And and especially with the friends that I've made through Tamworth, we all kind of aren't in the one place. So uh, most of my friends in the music industry aren't on the Gold Coast. I'm trying to think, I have like a handful on the Gold Coast. Um, and the rest of them are all spread out. So I love Tamworth because I get to catch up with people. I get to go watch my friends' shows. I get to be their fan for the night. Um, mm. I also obviously get to play my own shows. I get to see people. I get to uh, connect with people that have been listening to my music in the last 12 months since the last Tamworth. So um, I will be hopefully playing some shows and uh I would love to go to the Golden Guitars. Obviously, I'd love to connect with people. So if anybody does want to write, like just shoot me a message on Instagram because that is something that I do love. I love writing for other people as well. Like I could be one happy little songwriter for the rest of my life. So Tamworth is a good place to connect with people in that way as well. Yeah, I mean, it is a frenetic frenetic time for artists. Uh, I think, you know, regardless of how many shows you have on, you can have one and people still record just running around all over the place, but yeah. um, it does seem a lot of great connections come out of it. Between now and then, do you have some shows lined up? On the day we're talking, you're about to go to the Gimpy Music Muster, but that will be over by the time I release this. So is there anything else coming up that where people can see you? Well, uh, when are we releasing this? Because I in a couple of weeks' time, probably. Well, on the 31st of August, I'm performing at the Gold Coast Music Awards. So that's exciting and I can uh I get to play a song off side a which is actually nominated for release of the year which oh. is very exciting because I'm up with some amazing artists and releases that have come out of the Gold Coast in the last 12 months um I then 
I'm playing Groundwater Country Music Festival. Oh, which is, yes. Yeah, I have to pause for a moment over. there. Oh, <laughs> I was like, what is coming up? Um, Groundwater, yeah. So that's just been announced and I'm playing with my band. I've got some really great stages and uh, I'm playing a, a few times over the weekend. So I love Groundwater and I'm, you know, born and raised Gold Coast. So it's really nice to have this festival on our doorstep, on the beach, basically. And yeah. um, it's free. So I mean, what more can you ask for? <laughs> Just roll on down. As a punter, yeah. <laughs> I imagine that there is no parking within Cooey. So you as an artist, I hope you have, they are oh, right, making arrangements to let you in. Parking is horrific anywhere you go on the Gold Coast these days. So, mm. yeah. Well, uh, I hope if people are on the Gold Coast or going to the Gold Coast, they come and see you at Broad Beach. In the meantime, they can listen to Side A and Side B. I don't have a favourite between them. They do belong together, though, now that I've heard Side B. So congratulations. And even though this will be published after Gimpy, good luck at Thank the Moscow. You. Thank you so much. It's been so nice to chat. Great to chat to you. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.